0: Oral questions by members?
1: Member for Prince George Mount.
0: Mr. Speaker, well under this Premier's watch, a taxpayer-funded drug crisis has exploded. Urgent warnings from doctors over the past 18 months were dis- dismissed despite the growing and undeniable proof. Diverted hydromorphone pills, or Dillies, now flood platforms like Reddit, sold openly by the tens of thousands Shocking images show mounds of white pills next to their original prescription bottles, part of the NDP's so called safe supply. When is the Premier going to stop turning a blind eye to this devastating taxpayer funded drug trafficking?
2: Premier. Uh, thank you, uh, Honourable Chair. Uh, I had the opportunity to visit the New Roads Treatment Centre in Saanich, and there I met a young man named Tyson. Uh, who described how five months ago he was a broken man in a jail cell and thanks to the efforts of, uh, of New Roads, the staff there, uh, the community, he's on a better path. And I think that's the goal and I heard uh, the member from South Surrey talk about uh, a gentleman from White Rock. That's the goal we all have for people struggling with mental health or addiction issues. And the goal is to keep them alive. Now There was a point when all the parties in this place agreed that We have to try different things. We've got almost 13,000 people who have died as a result of the toxic drug crisis, and we will continue to do that work. It has required refinement, as we said it would, as we all agreed it would. and We've taken the steps necessary to protect parks, communities, businesses, bus stops, but also, most importantly, the people, the brothers, the sisters, the aunts, the uncles, the parents, the kids that are struggling with addiction. Member for Prince Supplemental.
0: Well, I'd like to assure the Premier that the health committee didn't endorse buckets of pills on the streets. Apparently, the only people endorsing that approach are the Premier and his minister. There is undeniable photographic evidence, and yet this Premier and his NDP government continue to fuel the NDP taxpayer-funded drug crisis on Reddit. There's talk of dealers obtaining, and I quote, literal buckets, with alarming comments about the NDP government handing them out like candy and throwing them around like TikToks. Reddit users openly discuss how this so-called safe supply recipients sell their dillies to purchase fentanyl. How much longer will the Premier ignore the solutions offered by a plan like ours, where better is possible, and stop funding rampant drug traffickers?
2: Premier. Thank you, hon. Chair. What an embarrassment. You know, this member sat on the all-party committee and understands the complexity and the challenge of this issue. No one in this place supports buckets of uh, any kind of illicit drug that caused the kind of havoc that opioids do. This government sued uh, the producers of those opioid pills, successfully leading all the provinces across Canada to the largest settlement in Canada. Not only that, we're taking it absolutely. Canadian history. Not only that, we're taking action on the illegal drug dealers as well, the RCMP in September of this year. Six suspects, one of the largest drug busts in BC history, $256 million worth of fentanyl. The last two convicted each got 11 years in jail. In March, $13 million in drugs, guns, and cash for arrest. We seized the Hells Angels clubhouses and we're keeping them. Honourable Speaker, for the member to pretend that we are anything other than going after the drug dealers, whether they work for the big pharma companies or whether they work for the criminal gangs, is completely false.
1: Member Prinshaw Wilmore, Supplemental.
0: Well, let me be clear with the Premier. What the Health Committee did discuss was how to try to keep people alive, not endorsing a situation that is leading to increased addiction and potentially death. Under, your, under this Premier's direction, directly due to his policies, cheap hydromorphone is creating new dependencies in people who were not previously addicted. Its street value has plummeted by up to 95%, and that is a direct result of the NDP government flooding the market. And these cheap drugs are promoted to teenagers as being safe. Desperate parents are calling MLA offices multiple times a week, stating that their child, believing they were taking a safe supply, is now addicted. Will the Premier do the right thing and end this NDP taxpayer-funded drug crisis that is causing devastating harms?
2: Premier. We continue to work with the public health officials we are working with frontline addictions doctors on how to respond to this crisis. We are going to continue to do that work. I would say that the, the goal here is to keep people alive. I agree with the member on that. I agree that was the goal of the committee. That is the shared goal of this House and to pretend that there's some kind of division where actually uh, parties in this House want people to be addicted, want them to die of overdose, want kids to start new addictions. It's absurd, Honorable Speaker. And the member's been in this place long enough that she should be embarrassed to stand up and it was the member. It was the member across the way. Members, members, members will come to order. Members. The members across the way watched surveillance video of drug dealers bringing bags of cash into BC casinos for a generation and didn't take action. So with all due respect, we are the party that's taken action on organized crime and drug dealing by getting physicians and nurses between predatory dealers and people struggling with addiction. We're going to keep doing that work, Honourable Speaker. We're going to make sure to help people deal with addiction.
1: Official Opposition House Leader.
3: Uh, Mr. Speaker, it is absolutely stunning that this Premier refuses to acknowledge uh, the problem uh, that is a diversion that is taking place across British Columbia. So let me bring it back uh, to a uh, a real person that has been impacted. The photos on Reddit tell the story of the NDP's taxpayer-funded drug crisis, as online platforms have become easy gateways for our youth to access these taxpayer-funded drugs. Mr. Speaker, that's exactly what happened to 13-year-old Camilla Sword and her friends, according to Camilla's father. Her father says, and I quote, I got blindsided. I didn't understand how easy it was for these girls to get it, end quote. Now after first becoming addicted to hydromorphone, young 13-year-old Camilla tragically passed away. She overdosed. So, to the Premier, how many more lives, like Camilla's, will be lost before this Premier admits the harm caused by the NDP's taxpayer-funded drug crisis?
1: Minister of Mental Health and Addictions.
4: Thank you very much, um, Honourable Speaker, and uh, I want to thank the, the member for the question and to express I trust on behalf of the entire House our our deep condolences um, to Camilla's father for the grief that he is enduring and and I know will endure for for the rest of his life. We understand that there are particular challenges that children and youth are facing. Uh, We are working very hard with health authorities, with frontline partners to scale up. Uh, access to child and youth mental health services. We have substantially uh, expanded our foundry network of uh, primary care and mental health services. We are developing integrated uh, uh, child care care, uh, youth teams that work in schools with uh, MCFD and with our health care system to intervene and provide opportunities to connect kids to care. Our primary consideration is to ensure that children and youth have the access to the care that they need.
1: Member Supplemental.
3: Well, with all due respect to the Minister, the the government's plans on this front are failing miserably. I can speak to uh, a youth detox facility in Kamloops uh, where the government made, with with a lot of fanfare, a big announcement around five uh, detox beds for youth many, many months ago. The member from Canlis North Thompson and I were in there not long ago, we were walking around, we were being shown the space, the bed is there, all of the facilities, it's all ready to go. There's one thing missing. There's no youth in those beds because there's no staff for them. The policy is a failure to, uh, to, and the minister knows it. Online platforms like Reddit and Snapchat are the front lines of the NDP's taxpayer-funded drug crisis offering children and teenagers easy access to these highly-addictive drugs. The heartbreaking loss of young Camilla should have served as a wake-up call on the dangers of describing these drugs as safe supply. Yet there's been zero accountability, no warnings, no educational campaigns, no tracking. This NDP government has failed in its most basic duty to protect the public, especially children and and youth like Camilla. How many more tragedies does it take for the Premier to be accountable and to accept responsibility for the NDP's
1: taxpayer-funded drug crisis? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions.
4: Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And I have to say, with all due respect, it's a bit rich coming from the party that closed the only youth detox centre in Chilliwack when they were uh, on this side of the house to talk about, uh, you know, access that that, that children and youth need, that access that we are funding and that we are scaling up. Our, uh, our, our, uh, you know, we, we agree. It is really critical that we work with experts, that we work with the education system and the healthcare system to ensure that we are talking to youth about substance use in these times, in the context of a toxic drugs uh, crisis that is that has stolen thousands and thousands of lives of British Columbians, we really have to pay attention to how we're talking to youth. The Education Ministry, uh, my ministry are working very closely together along with frontline providers. The Foundry, we have the Foundry services in working with school districts to provide targeted um, uh, education to kids about this very topic. It's work that we are, that we are expanding. Uh, I, I absolutely agree. How we, how we are talking to youth is very important.
5: House Leader, third party. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The BCNDP government must at least hold themselves uh, to the same standard as they held government when they were in opposition. When the B.C. NDP were led by John Horgan. In opposition, they set an appropriate standard. When a Minister of Children and Family Development repeat- repeatedly fails to protect the most vulnerable children in our province, they must step aside. The current minister thought highly of the former premier, and the words of John Horgan to the former minister on September 28th is as applicable today as it was then. He said, "Quote." In light of the pattern over the past few months, honourable speaker, through you to the minister, how is it possible you can continue to believe that you have the leadership skills to navigate this sensitive ministry and stop protecting the ministry and start protecting children?
1: Minister of Children and Family Development.
6: Thank you very much, honourable speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. Um, again, as I said last week, I understand his passion and his concern, and I share that as well. As the Minister, I have been and will continue to be determined to drive transformative change through um, my role as Minister, so that means through legislation, through policy, through budgetary measures. So for example, Honourable Speaker, we passed legislation last year to support Indigenous jurisdiction.
5: Had very little to do with the actual question that I was asking. It's about the leadership of the entire ministry. Mr. Speaker, that September, September 2015, the BCNDP were questioning the former minister about the death of a young man in her care. BCNDP stood member after member, day after day. Horgan, James, Donaldson, Mongol, Simpson, all stood and called for the minister to step aside. That was eight years ago. Despite claims that the minister just made that this ministry is undergoing transformation, reports continue rolling in describing the awful neglect and harm that this ministry is causing. Incredibly, the minister agrees with the criticism, offers a weak apology, and then stubbornly flouts the long traditional re- tradition of responsible governments. If she won't go on her own, then we need unwavering leadership from the premier to do what is right. But so far, this Premier wavers, waiting until the timing works for him, putting his political agenda against (coughs) the welfare of our children. Mr Speaker, through you to the Premier, will he do the right thing, replace his Minister, her senior staff at the Ministry of Children and Family Development? Minister.
6: Hon. Speaker, and uh, thank you to the member. As soon as the ministry learned of the problems in the particular foster home two and a half years ago, action was taken. The ministry made sure that all of the children that that team was responsible for were seen and that their placements were safe and nurturing and loving. All of those placement decisions were reviewed and other steps have been taken to increase accountability and to increase oversight as well. Extra checks and extra layers have been put in because I directed staff. I said to them, You need to be able to show me that all of the children and youth in our care are safe and are being loved and being well taken care of. Member, Member for
1: Surrey South
6: every single every single year. The Ministry of Children and Family Development under the NDP government has seen an increase in its budget, Honourable Speaker. We're supporting young people and diverting them away from the highway to homelessness. We're supporting young people, children and youth, actually living in out of care placements, unlike under the previous government where the budget was gutted.
1: House Leader of the Fourth Party.
7: Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. This morning, I received a petition from over 40,000 Surrey residents and taxpayers who are asking this government to keep the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in Surrey. I am told that the previous Premier John Horgan was given this petition, but he refused to address it in this House. So today, as the House Leader for the Conservative Party of British Columbia, who does listen to taxpayers, I am speaking on behalf of the
1: 40,000
7: Surrey residents and taxpayers who have signed this petition, who have been outright ignored by this NDP government. I am holding a fraction of those in my hand. I am asking this government to listen to this 40,000 Surrey residents Who will be footing the increased property tax bill to pay for the City of Surrey to have its own police force. Will this new NDP Premier commit here and now to holding a referendum on policing in Surrey, or will he continue the NDP's long-standing policy of bullying and ignoring Surrey residents and taxpayers?
1: Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. No. Member Supplemental.
7: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This NDP Premier isn't just bullying Surrey taxpayers. He isn't ignoring just Surrey taxpayers. His authoritarian approach is actually punishing taxpayers in communities all across British Columbia, Mr. Speaker. In my home community of Abbotsford, The taxpayer's share of the $150 million this NDP government is spending works out to over $4.5 million—$4.5 million million that could be better spent in their community. What does this premier have to say to hardworking Abbotsford residents and beyond? who are now also on the hook to pay for the absolute mess his government has created in the city of Surrey by ignoring and bullying Surrey taxpayers and voters. Mr.
8: Minister. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. I appreciate the question from uh, from the member and I'd just like to remind him before I answer the bulk of his question that the province gave the city of Abbotsford more than $27 million from the uh, Building BC Infrastructure Fund earlier this year. And I'd also like to take the opportunity to point out to the member that what Surrey wanted to do was to transition back to the RCMP after they were already well into a transition to uh, the Surrey Police Service. The analysis shows by the experts within my ministry and, without my, and outside my ministry that the challenge for communities is the impact that that transition of the largest RCMP detachment would have in communities right across this province, Honourable Speaker. And I can tell the member that when the decision was made to move to, to continue with the Surrey Police Service, I heard from communities right across this province, including your own community of Abbotsford, that the decision I made was the right decision in terms of public safety, not only for Surrey, but for all of British Columbia.
1: Member for Cambridge, North Thompson.
9: Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, earlier we, we heard the Premier and, and the Mental Health and Addictions Minister do what they do best in this chamber, and that's try to point fingers everywhere else but take their own responsibility. I'll point out to the Minister that Camilla was six years old when this government took office, when she overdosed at 13 and perished. It's this government's failures and policy that we're talking about here today, and it's this government's policies and their failures that are impacting people in the here and the now. Taxpayer-funded drug trafficking uh, thrives on platforms like Reddit, and that's well-known now. Tens of thousands of hydromorphone pills are openly being sold. In B.C., it's reported that drug traffickers have assembled teams of safe supply clients who sell their 32 daily pills directly outside the pharmacies back to the dealers for 50 cents a pill. The dealers then amass tens of thousands of pills. They've trafficked them across the country, and they make huge profits. How much longer will the Premier continue to fuel the NDP's taxpayer-funded drug trafficking crisis?
1: Minister of Mental Health and Addictions.
4: Thanks, uh, thanks very much, uh, Honourable Speaker, and thanks to the, to the member for the question. And I just want, want to, want to re- remind the House that, the, uh, th- that our work with respect to providing prescribed alternatives to the illicit toxic drug supply, uh, which was declared a public emergency in 2016, which took over 2,300 um, uh, British Columbian lives uh, last year. Uh, that, uh, that program came into being at the beginning of the pandemic, largely in response to what we knew would be uh, dramatic impacts on uh, the ability of individuals to reach out to health care. Uh, to continue to have health care supports, and out of concern for public health, that there would be uh, dramatic, an even more dramatic impact um, uh, during, during the COVID pandemic as a result of the toxic, the toxic drug supply. Um, that uh, that that program is uh, is under review uh, from the from the uh, by the provincial health officers, so that we can ensure that it meets the needs that people have today. Uh, given that we're no longer in the the grips of the the COVID-19 pandemic. But I would say, Hon. Speaker, that the importance of having a mechanism to come between predatory drug dealers who prey on vulnerable people and uh, and having our health care system able to intervene and support individuals, that's the objective of the program. That's what we're working on with our health authorities, with frontline providers, with public health. It's the work we'll continue to do.
1: Member Supplemental. Thank
9: you. Well, Mr. Speaker, these taxpayers supplied addictive drugs. They've become a commodity to trade for fentanyl, the very drug that the program is supposed to be trying to combat. The diversion fuels a taxpayer-funded drug crisis. It leads to more addiction and is creating new dependencies in young people who weren't previously addicted. The evidence is very clear. We need a dramatic shift, and B.C. United's Better as Possible plan, is that shift, Mr. Speaker. It prioritizes treatment and recovery. When will the Premier actually focus on recovery and treatment and abandon this flawed taxpayer-funded drug crisis? Minister.
4: Thanks very much, uh, Honorable Speaker. And I, I do want to uh, assure the, assure the House, um, Honorable Speaker, that our pathway to hope is all about treatment. It is all about supporting people where they are at on their journey to recovery. Since 2017, we've opened over 400 treatment beds. We are in the process right now of of, of procuring in excess of 100 beds. We have just um, started the the, the work to open um, a a seamless model of care, right from detoxing and stabilization through to treatment um, at at St. Paul's Hospital. We have invested in free or low-barrier community counselling grants, hundreds of millions of dollars into upstream investments in child and youth mental health, all designed to try to create um, pathways to care and improved access for British Columbians to the care that we know they need. Uh, I, we, were, we were just up at, uh, uh, in, um, at New Roads I'm talking about the beds that, that we've supported to continue to, to be in place uh, there. There is remarkable work happening by our health authorities to provide virtual access, outpatient access, same-day clinical assessment and connection to care through Vancouver's Access Central. Uh, that's the work we're going to continue to do.
1: Member for, I was for the West. Mr. Speaker.
10: The experiment's failing. However genuine the intention and motivation may have been, the government's approach is condemning more people, more young people, to a life of dependency and a risk of death. And what else do we know? We know that instead of prioritizing treatment and recovery the government decided to divert over a million dollars to two organizations the drug users liberation front the Vancouver area network of drug users the liberation front apparently took that money and it enabled them to buy heroin cocaine methamphetamines from organized crime on the dark web. That's taxpayer-funded drug trafficking by any definition, Mr. Speaker. Will the Premier, confronted by this evidence, immediately order a full forensic audit of every penny that went to those organizations?
4: Thanks. Uh, thanks very much, Honourable Speaker. And I, uh, I just want to, you know, reiterate the pain that communities are in as they watch, as people watch, hundreds of their friends and community members uh, impacted and die as a result Member? of um, a volatile, unrelenting, toxic drug crisis that is poses one of the most wicked problems for our health care system. And I have seen doctors and nurses and outreach workers. Um, put uh, so much into uh, trying to find innovative ways to, uh, to make sure that they can reach out to people and connect them to the care and treatment um, that they need. Uh, and I will say that I, I think we all know that, that, that peer organizations are an important part of the continuum of services that, that we provide. And having said that, of course we absolutely expect... That, um, that, that government's partners act in a lawful manner and so the contract between Vancouver Coastal Health and the organization the member is referring to uh, has been terminated.
1: Member Supplemental. Uh, Mr.
10: Speaker, this liberation front has admitted that taxpayers' money provided by this NDP government was used to establish a facility that was central to its drug trafficking activities. They could then divert other funds to acquire cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency that they used to buy illegal drugs from the dark web, that haven for organized crime, gangs, and drug cartels. Taxpayers' money is being used to make the drug crisis worse, not better. I'll ask again, confronted by the evidence, apparently the decision to shut it down, will the minister and the premier commit to a full audit to determine what exactly these public funds were used for?
1: Minister.
4: Thanks, uh, thanks very much, Honourable Speaker. And I would just say that, that contrary to, uh, to those claims, we, what we know is that the Vancouver Coastal Health Authority contracted with the organization explicitly to provide drug checking, overdose prevention training, harm reduction services, and per diems for Indigenous peer workers, and we know that those are the services that were provided. And having said that, and we know, and having, having you know, underst- understanding as we all do that those are critical services to keep people alive and to connect them to care. Again, we expect that um, partners will work, uh, will operate in a lawful manner. And in this case, uh, we uh, Vancouver Coastal has terminated the contract with the organization.
1: Member for City
11: South. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Well, that's why we need an audit, because the reality is, is that this government partnered with an organization that was buying illicit drugs off the dark web and then bragging about it through the media. But there hasn't been any police investigation. There hasn't even been any looking into it by this government. They didn't, you know, begrudgingly withdraw the funding to this organization until it was brought up by the official opposition. This is a government that will give you everything for free related to using drugs except for treatment and aftercare. Absolutely and medical professionals and frontline workers and even BC United, we've been raising red flags, urgently warning about the dangers of diversion from the NDP's so-called safe supply. And yet, rather than stopping or even halting, pausing this failed program, the government's answer is, hey, let's flood the streets with even more drugs. Treatment, recovery and providing a clear pathway away from addiction has to be the priority. But the NDP approach does not offer any off-ramps to recovery. So the question is, when will the Premier end this taxpayer-funded drug crisis that's creating an endless cycle of drug dependency?
1: Mr. Minister.
4: Thanks. Uh, thanks very much, Honourable Speaker, and, and thanks uh, to the member for the question. Uh, we understand how critical it is that we are able to meet people who are struggling with substance use, who have addiction issues, where they're at, and connect them to the care and support that they need. And so that's why we've covered opioid agonist therapy through our PharmaCare program. It's a universal. That's why we're, re- we're responding to all of the advice that we get from frontline physicians, from nurses, from people in public health and in our health care system about what they need to order in order to better care for their uh, for their patients. Access to oat is one of those. We've made it accessible through PharmaCare. We have over 100 treatment beds that are available free with no cost attached to them that, again, are available through health authorities. We've introduced low-barrier and sometimes no-fee community counselling in order to provide better access to the kinds of supports that people need. And that is work that we are doing and faced with a system that was fundamentally deregulated, privatized, underfunded for years. That's a system of care that we are building to ensure that British Columbians get access to the care and support they need when they need it.
1: The bell and the question.